Hi, and thank you for listening to A Monster I'm Up Against. I hope everybody had some good holidays. Happy New Year, beginning of a new year, new goals, new dreams, new visions. I call it my new beginnings. So I just want to give you a quick overview of what my channel is about. I haven't recorded in over a month. The holidays and my children have kept me extremely busy. But an overview of what a monster I'm up against is um, dealing with narcissists and the abuse. And I am not a licensed psychologist. Um, I am working on becoming a life coach to help women in this area. Um, My only expertise comes in living with a narcissist for 18 years, being married to one, having children with one, now divorced from. Um, So I think life experiences pretty much give us um, a lot of the information that we need. And with the information that I've gathered in those 18 years and the the hell that I have lived through, I want to pass that information along to anybody that wants to hear it and needs to hear it. So today I want my topic to be on the aftermath. It has been now eight months since I have moved out and been divorced from um, my narcissist, my ex-narcissist. Together we have three children and it has been tough. I will say that it's been tough and I finally feel like I'm coming over that hump where um, my emotions don't play a part in it anymore. And being an empathetic person, I'm very governed by my emotions. I think less logically and more emotionally. And I'm also learning to change that as I become stronger and healthier mentally and emotionally, spiritually and physically. So I'm able to um, start to think a little bit more logically when I have it to deal with him. And I want to talk about the aftermath in the sense that I don't think people realize how hard it is to deal with the triggers um, that we have after we've been in a relationship, an abusive relationship like that. PTSD, they call it. Um, I have, you know, my three children, my, um, my son is 15 years old and I never understood the consequences of what would happen to them being in a relationship or having a father like that, or even watching the relationship that his mother and father had, my, my two other children, I'm not seeing so much of that yet. I, I do see anxieties and fears and insecurities that they have. Um, but one of the things that I have realized is that my son, he's 15, um, he just was in a relationship with a very sweet young girl, um, his age in his class, um, loved the family. We've become very close. But in that relationship, um, we started to see signs of um, the unhealthiness of what he's had to live and see and the only example that he's ever really had. So when you're with a narcissist, they gaslight a lot. And if you're not familiar with gaslighting, gaslighting is when they turn your world, your sense of reality upside down. So let's say um, we have a discussion and we see something that we don't like in them or they say something that hurts us or whatever that may be. We're careful. We're cautious. We may not respond right away, but we think about it. And then we go back to them and we say, you know, so-and-so you said this to me the other day in our conversation and it really hurt me. And they immediately flip it back on you. 
you don't, we never had that conversation. What are you talking about? You made that up in your head. That never happened. You're going crazy. You need to get help. What are you thinking? Have you taken your meds today? And they immediately put it back on you, like taking no ownership of the fact that you've just come to them and said, this hurt me. They don't recognize that at all. They don't care that they've hurt you. There's no, there's no remorse for the pain that they've created. It's automatically flipped and turned back on you. And when you say, no, but you did say that to me. No, I didn't. Like, you're crazy. You're making this all up in your head. I don't remember that conversation at all. So then that starts this um, tornado effect, I call it. You go into it calm. And the next thing I know, next thing you know, they're, they're turning it, this sense of reality upside down on you. They turn it back on you, taking no ownership of their own, making you feel awful. And then you lose it, start crying, get crazy, whatever the case may be, trying to defend yourself and just get them to hear you. Just please just listen to what I have to say. And they won't. They, they cannot bear the fact of being wrong. So that's why they flip it back on you. They turn your world upside down and then you lose it emotionally. And then they sit there all smug looking at you going, look at you all crazy, losing your mind. Look at you. Look, go look at yourself in the mirror. You should see the look on your face. And then they just walk away all smug, feeling like they've won because, well, one, you fueled them. You've given them exactly what they want. They love to see us in turmoil. They love to see us hurt. They love to see us frustrated and scared and sad because then that makes us vulnerable. It gives them power. I call it fuel. That is the fuel that they feed off of. Then you're left scratching your head going, oh, my gosh, what just happened? They... I just came to talk to him about this little thing and all of a sudden we're in this big screaming match and I'm here crying and I feel awful and I, I don't know what just happened. Then they know that because of who we are, we start playing the guilt game with ourselves. They know that while we're off on our own, we're going to be going, okay, because they play this game of being mad and disgusted with us. So we don't want that. We want the peace. So then we think, okay, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I did overreact. Maybe he really never did say that. Maybe I did imagine that. Maybe, 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 maybe. And then we put the blame back on ourselves, taking it off of them. And we feel guilty. So then we go to them vulnerable again and say, you know what? You were right. I'm sorry. Hence starts the dance of totally screwing up your sense of reality. That's gaslighting an awful form of abuse. And it is one that I endured for many, many years and my children have, and they still do. So with that comes a lot of anxieties, a lot of fears, a lot of insecurities, lack of trust. Um, I could go on and on and on. So I've noticed this in my son and his relationship. Um, did not trust her, no matter what she said, no matter how many times she said, I love you, no matter the amount of time that they spent together, it was never good enough. Um, he started to worry about other boys. Are you standing with them? Are you looking at them? Did you talk to them? Did you do this? Did you do that? Um, Time-wise, if she had five extra minutes and she wanted to go get stuff done, she'd want to go do that. Why don't you spend that five minutes with me? He was constantly depending on her to make him happy, to make him feel fulfilled. Um, He wasn't encouraging her when she would go off and do wonderful things for school and said he was mad at her because she was away and it was taking time from them and she was enjoying other things and she wasn't missing him and she wasn't constantly messaging him and like it made him feel like she doesn't love me. She doesn't care about me. She would rather be there doing that and hence these things came to the surface. So 
the end result of that was she broke up with him because it was just too much for her. And I'm actually proud of her for being 15 and recognizing that that was not healthy for her. But sad for my son because now he's left with a broken heart having to deal with the aftermath of this relationship where he still loves her. So that being said, um, it has given us an amazing opportunity, my son and I, to talk, to be very open, and not to disrespect his father, even though I would absolutely love to. Um, I don't, because that's not going to help my son. I have been very forthright and very honest with him about um, the relationship and who his dad is. He does see who his father is. He does see what he is. He knows that um, his heart is not safe with him. He doesn't share much with him. In fact, when he has to be with his dad, he just shuts down emotionally because that's called survival mode. And that is really the only way to deal with a narcissist is to just go into survival mode and you fake it till you make it. But anyways, the aftermath of leaving that, I stayed in that relationship for as long as I did because I was afraid to leave. I was afraid for my kids to be alone with him. I knew that they were still going to have to deal with him. That scared me because I wasn't going to be there to protect him anymore. But I spoke to a specialist um, and they run a, a, an organization that deals with abusive relationships. And one of the things that he said to me was one day, he said, think about it this way. You can stay and it's always going to be hell and it's always going to be toxic. Or you can go and you can give your children 50% of the time, they'll have peace when they're with you. So what do you prefer? And he said, it's better to have two separate homes where the parents aren't fighting and there's no abuse and there's no chaos and anxiety. And you're not constantly in that fight or flight mode to have two separate homes where your home will be peaceful. And if it, hopefully his will be too. But if it's not, they know that they have a safe place to go when their time with him is done. It was hard for me to make that decision. Any big change is scary, but that was a big driving force for me. So when I made that choice, my children started to realize, wow, when I'm over here with mom, there's no anxiety. There's no fear. There's no anger. She's consistent with her emotions. She, we're not on eggshells. We never know. She doesn't condemn, critique. She doesn't question. She lets us make our own decisions. But when they're with dad, he controls them. They are his possession. He could care less about what their heart feels, what they need, what they want, what is best for them. He only cares about what he wants, his own agenda, and getting that through them. And he will do anything at any cost to get that from them. Just a possession. They are no different than the toaster, the oven, the car he drives to work. The importance to him, as long as they work and function and give him what he needs, then so be it. And because they are his children, he feels like he owns them. Also, because he has to pay for everything for them, he owns them. Narcissists are huge with money and ownership as well. So all that to be said, um, dealing with the aftermath with my son and seeing the damage that has been done and thinking that by staying as long as I did, I was actually doing them a favor I now see that I was not. I wish that I could go back. I wish that I could change things. I know that everything happens for a reason. And I made my choice exactly when I was supposed to make my choice. And maybe it was to go through this process 
to see the hardships that my son is having to deal with and how insecure he is and how he doesn't trust anybody and how he doesn't trust himself and how he is codependent. When you're in an abusive relationship, you become very codependent and he is in that abusive relationship with his father. So he has become very codependent. Um, And I'm dealing with this with him, which has opened up many opportunities for him and I to just sit and talk and to talk about all these issues that he's dealing with. And I told him at 15 years old, if you can get ahead of the game on these now, then you're ahead of the game later on in life. But if we don't deal with these issues now, then you'll carry them on to every relationship and you'll never have a successful relationship. So a lot of times we don't, we don't realize, or there's nobody there to tell us after we leave these abusive relationships, the other stuff that we're going to have to deal with. And there's, so many bumps in the road. There's so many emotional issues that we have to deal with, so much PTSD, so many triggers that aren't dealt with later. They're always dealt with right at the beginning when you leave, but not after as these things start to surface. And they are starting to surface and we are dealing with them as soon as they happen. And in fact, he even said to me, my son the other day, mom, just tell me all the things that you see I've been doing wrong so that I can fix them. Wonderful attitude wonderful thought process loved that that was what he wanted because that tells me he is not an he is not a narcissist that he has a humble heart and that he is willing to be and wanting to be a better person so I guess in me sharing this story which has been very hard and there's been a lot of tears I'll be honest with you um, it's also been a growth process and one of my favorite quotes is the process is the most beautiful part and that means The process is the hardest thing that you can go through. And there's times that you want to die. There's times that you think you failed. There's times you feel hopeless, like you're never going to make it, that you're on your own, that this is is it. This is how it's always going to be. But then little step by little step, you start to grow. And it's a mindset. And you have to gain and grow and gather what you can. Never be a victim. Never be a victim. But always try to educate yourself and grow. So that you can learn what you've been through and then what you see your family going through as a result of that. If you can find the tools and the strength and the people counseling, whatever it may be, to help them get through those things, um, then you're way ahead of the game as well. And it's all about healing. It's all about healing and becoming stronger, but also becoming aware. And when you're aware, then you have the ability to change. And that is what this is all about. I don't want anybody to be stuck being a victim. I don't want to be a victim. I want to be a warrior. And I want to take what I've been through and I want to share it with other people so that they can become aware and so that they can start to learn how to get out of those situations. And they know that they're not alone. A lot of times we're in an abusive relationship. We feel like we're totally alone. Nobody knows what we're going through because the person that we're with doesn't want anybody to know. They isolate us. They make us feel like nobody would ever care. Nobody would believe us or that they think negatively of us anyways. So, and we believe those lies. So aftermath, it's huge. And it's all coming to the surface for me eight months later. I don't know how long it's going to last. I know I've got more to deal with with my other children. I even have some to deal with with myself, I'm sure. But The aftermath is so important to be aware of and to, I think if you're aware that it's coming then you can tackle it head on and you have the strength to do so. Surround yourself with people that love you, that are supportive of what you're doing, that are going to be there for you 
And I have another secret for you. If you're involved with a narcissist, don't tell them anything. They don't need to know anything. The less they know, the better, because then they don't have anything to fight you with on. So that's where I'm at with dealing with this with my son is he knows nothing. So um, because he would use that as a tool to hurt myself and even my son, you know, his weakness. So that is all I have today on the aftermath of leaving a narcissist and all the things that can come to the surface. Thanks for listening. and I hope you have a great day.